Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. That's high praise. That's high praise. <laughs> okay, I got a nice Nick Cage pill. If you're not watching the video version, you're missing out on a wonderful uh nicholas cage pillow that my wonderful fiance nevis got me and then immediately put in the closet and said here's a gift and we'll never display this when people are coming over so uh it's beautiful it it is it's i mean it's it's from vampire's kiss which was in the early stage of cage doing his kind of indie thing and also proving to both mainstream audiences and cinephiles alike that he was able to kind of balance both you know a commercial um vision but also do some really weird performance art within the characters that he was playing and so um it's gonna be fun just talking about Nicolas Cage's career because his filmography is almost this just interesting sort of story or narrative in itself in terms of the highs and lows and sort of, it it feels like he's done everything, you know, in in terms of his career. And I think that that's the most fascinating part about, you know, this movie, even though the film is enjoyable and, and has its moments, it's maybe not as introspective or as clever as what you'd expect a charlie kaufman-esque meta-narrative to be like I sure think that's but what i don't we think were hoping. I, I know but i think that's what we were kind of hoping for originally when we heard about this project in the same way that like the way it the log line reads reads it's almost like you know being john malkovich or 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 you know obviously cage being an adaptation and playing charlie kaufman um to something yeah. to that degree but it's 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 a little bit lighter than that and it is kind of both poking fun at this man's career, but it doesn't do it in a condescending kind of way. It's, it's kind of embracing every aspect of the one, the only Nicholas Cage. And I should say today we are reviewing Tom Gormican's the unbearable weight of massive talent starring one Nicholas Cage and Pedro Pascal. Uh, you got uh, uh, Lily Sheen in there. Um, I've, you got uh, Tiffany Haddish. You got Tiffany Ike Haddish. Oh, you got an after party reunion. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Eric, how are you doing? Otherwise, I'm OK. I'm OK. I'm I'm uh, I'm ready to rage with some cage, you know, rage and cage. Yeah. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's like, again, we're we're a little late because of, um, you know, some health stuff with me and also just, you know, it's the time of year. Matt's getting yeah. ready for his wedding. So um it's it's been busy and and you know again we we don't mean to uh you know, we we want to get these out as soon as possible but at the same time we have to consider you know we don't want to just rush something out that's going to be five or ten minutes if someone's even though, not feeling well or if uh, yeah. someone's busy with something or you're not you don't have the energy or me i was exhausted this weekend too so yeah well, sorry we're a little late but eric and i did see this a couple weeks ago and i think if you've listened to us for um, a long time, you know, both Eric and I are big uh, Nicolas Cage fans, both like I think from partly ironic in recent years, but mostly genuine throughout his entire career, because I feel like he is one of those guys that can give a genuinely fantastic performance as and is a legitimately great actor, um, you know, did some wild 
VOD stuff over the years that people kind of poked fun at him for. Got to pay for uh, that dinosaur then, skull. Yeah, which is totally fine. And there's it was a great profile recently on him where he talked about that. And he's like, I gave it my all in every one of those movies. And, yeah. you know, everyone has a reason. And, you know, you could tell he was giving his all. And then he gave a great performance in Pig last year, which both Eric and I absolutely adored and, and voted for him in um, Critics' Choice and different things like that. He's just one of those you know, genuinely eccentric dudes who um, is one of a kind. And I think the perfect personality for a movie like this. And I know what you're saying with the kind of maybe hoping for something a little bit more introspective and, and Kaufman-esque. But or like, even, even I think, you know, we, we've talked and praised and, and, and loved the movie. Like even looking at something like Everything Everywhere All at Once, the way that that movie encompasses Michelle Yeoh's career mm-hmm. from, you know, going from Hong Kong cinema to American narratives and back again and sort of looking at that in a very introspective way that's not even necessarily the focal point but it is referencing a lot of her career from you Mm -hmm. know uh police assassins to crouching tiger hidden dragon and everything in between that she's done and so like looking at something like that like that's not necessarily you know like on the kaufman scale of being so visceral and convoluted sometimes where kaufman can get a little bit too inside his own you know sure mindset but there's elements of that in everything everywhere all at once that are very playful and i kind of feel like playful that's... is the word that i was going to use here too where, and... where i feel like for your description because yeah. i feel like this is kind of surface levelly when it comes to that kind of stuff but i think after that first trailer which I, I didn't think was super great um going into this i'm like you know what i'm just here for whatever nicholas cage is going to give me and i think he gives you that and more in this and to kick it off like i again i don't think it's a great movie um, I think it's a pretty, you know, by the books kind of meta action comedy. And I think, you know, it does play with some of the tropes of a Nicolas Cage film, whatever you want to define that as, um, and kind of pl- puts that into the kind of meta narrative. But I think, you know, it's a guy that is at a point in his career where I think, He's had many stages of it where we talked about, you know, the Adaptation Academy Award nominee. Did he win? He won. So he, he won for, for no. leaving Las Vegas, Las Vegas in 1995. And then, adapt- and then he, was he was nominated for Adaptation. Yes. And, yeah, and my bad. like, I feel, okay, like, I almost feel like this review is almost going to be kind of like... Just a Nick Cage An appraisal <laughs> of Nicolas Cage's yeah. career. Because Nicolas Cage, obviously, is a Coppola. And so when... He started right. his career. I always forget about that. A lot of the criticism that he got and he was very aware of was that it was nepotism to, to the reason why he was able to be in movies. So he was in a lot of Francis Ford Coppola's films, you know, and, and Peggy Sue got married being kind of like the big role that kind of swung for the fences and not everybody loved. But like even in bit parts in other movies like Fast Times at Richmond High, when he was still using his name. Nicholas Coppola until he changed yeah. it and then the movie that kind of gave him a little bit of like indie credit was Valley Girl which was like this kind mm-hmm. of like rom-com but also kind of a little bit eccentric and weird if it was released today it would be an A24 movie like sure. something like that and that kind of was like is like okay like there's something there this guy has something and then he went too far left field with Peggy Sue got married and that kind of turned a lot of people off and then what kind of brought him back again was uh Moonstruck and Moonstruck was the movie that everybody was like okay this guy is actually like a a, a legitimate leading man and can do his own thing and the kind of magical realism and and whimsy of 
that story works well with kind of his eccentricities and and what have you. And he continued to kind of do that in the early nineties where you see movies that are kind of, again, a combination of smaller art house films. I mentioned vampires kiss. That is a really weird movie to define, which is kind of almost like the league of Martin where this guy thinks he's a vampire and he, you know, is transforming. And then there's a bunch there's a bunch of like these small VOD movies um, that were also released at that time as well. There's one with Judge Reinhold that is just uh, out there. Uh, uh, I believe it's called, um, I've only ever seen it once, uh, Xanderly. Um, and it's like this a weird erotic thriller. And then he references that in one of his more recent VOD movies. And when I mean more recent in the last 10 years or so. Sure. And then there was a part of him that was doing, he started kind of like becoming an art house actor again. And then he started doing movies like red rock West and then leaving Las Vegas with, with Mike figs and Elizabeth shoe. He got an Oscar nomination and then he won the Oscar. And even in that acceptance speech, when he goes up, he says, you know, this is going to sound corny, but I love acting. Like this is, this is something I just love doing. And after that, his career is even more fascinating because then he becomes yeah. an action star. You know, he stars yeah. in Con Air and, you know, um face off. Face and... off and 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 becomes like literally the face of late 90s action, even with you know the remake of Gone in 60 Seconds and yeah. and 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 the and the National rock Treasure. And, and, yeah, and and so like there's that phase of Nick Cage. The sorcerer's career. apprentice. And that's where it kind of ends. It like yeah. there's a period there where it's like Okay, he's st- he'll he'll still do like obviously as well like the weird stuff at the beginning of his career with like Lynch and Wild at Heart and stuff like that. But around the time of Sorcerer's Apprentice, you start hearing about like oh his spending habits and you know like his problems with like he has he's been married multiple times, you know like he has multiple children, and so with that like you're hearing okay like what's going on there, and then you slowly but surely see him more on the VOD market with the likes of you know, uh, John Cusack and Bruce Willis and Adrian Brody. And these guys that kind of once all had fame to a certain degree are now falling back on these movies that are, you know, some people consider some of them to be like money laundering schemes. And then other people, I don't doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you look at the, the, the movies that Nick Cage is in and, you know, there's the odd. Film. I don't. I'm not saying any of those guys have involvement in that. No, 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 no. But those movies themselves, those especially movies. when they're, they're from like Eastern Europe, and there's just like it's so there's weird. like the yeah. all these like small production companies you've never heard of and never come back again. Um, and yeah, and so with that part of his career, that's kind of where he became the joke, the the ironic mm-hmm. kind of likability yeah. of Nick Cage. It's like, oh, are we going to get Nick Cage the serious actor or are we going to get Nick Cage turned to 11? And so, like, he's also known as the guy that will take any role. Like, he'll show up to an envelope opening, like that kind of yeah. thing. Um, yeah. And and now, you know, he's in, I believe, that interview that we're talking about, I think it was with either GQ or, or something yeah. like that. He was talking about kind of, like, paying off his debts and, you know, getting back to a place that he's comfortable to kind of go into, you know, mainstream movies again. And, you know, he's got the, uh, the, the Renfield film that where he's playing Dracula coming out next year, but it's just interesting that everything kind of building up to this movie is so much focused on, I think more so than anything else, the last 
10, 15 years of Nick Cage's career. There are a, a number of references to movies like Guarding Tess and, stuff, yeah. and Captain Curly's Mendelin and, and Wild at Heart and things yeah. like that, but it does yeah. play up the eccentricity. Personality that we know of the last decade or yeah. 20 years. The Cage so, who yeah. will be in anything in order. The post-2000s Cage. Yeah, to, to get a paycheck, but just wanting to continue to work. And I think the best thing about this movie that the script co-written by the director, Tom Gormican and Kevin Eaton really gets through is that even though acting can be a glamorous kind of ordeal and, and very opulent in its, in its profession, it's still a job. And, you know, Nick Cage is not above taking work, you know, to pay for his, mm. you know, family, his lawyers. And he talked his... about that in that interview. Yeah. And, and and like, that's something that I think the movie does advocate for. And it never makes fun of him for, again, the roles that he's, the choices that he's made, because he's been in a lot of VOD crap that is truly awful. But the thing is about those movies, anytime that he's in one of them, and sometimes he's only in it for like, you know, it's five almost minutes. worth watching because of that. <laughs> well, he makes the movie watchable. Yes, it, like Jujitsu, yeah. he's only in it for about like five minutes, and that movie is god awful and almost unwatchable. And when he's in it, it's like okay, for a second you're like tasting like what could have been. Like it's almost like eating like something that's undercooked for the most part yeah. everywhere else. But then you bite it into one piece where it's like, oh, that was that was good for a second, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, that's him. And, and- and I I like that he's at that point in his career, um, like I was saying, that he can just kind of poke fun at himself and that he can kind of – because I, I do think he was one of those guys who took himself too seriously for a little while and then eventually, you know, wasn't maybe in on the joke of everyone kind of laughing at him. And then I remember the Andy Samberg thing when he would come out with him – when he came out with him on SNL. And I'm not saying that's the first, you know uh, – time Nicolas Cage kind of realized oh I've, I've become larger than life and people are kind of poking fun at me but like he I hear in you know there's a story in Seth Rogen's book about you know when he was going to be in Green Hornet and like all these things of like these wild Nick Cage stories everyone has about him kind of saying some crazy thing he wants to do for a part or he was just like unabashedly himself and then I think as he's gotten later and later in his career, he's kind of realized and, and gone, you know, what? I can poke, poke, take kind of this back and poke fun at myself a little bit. And I just think this movie's a lot of fun. And like, I do think it has some heart to it. And I, I and I agree with you that maybe it's not diving super deep into the, uh, you know, into Nicolas Cage's career and his, his state of mind. It, it is just really kind of a fun action buddy cop comedy movie that, Except there are um, no cops. Is, sorry, like a buddy. But, yeah, but I, know, I mean, yeah, buddy, I know what you're F- they're F- about. Yeah. FBI agent, or he's CIA. Supposed to be, which is a funny CIA. Yeah. Um, that I think is actually funny to get Nick Cage to help the CIA in, in something real. Um, I just think it's a funny premise. And I think him and Pedro Pascal, I like them together. I like Nick Cage kind of playing this, you know, version of himself that doesn't feel, you know, like it's too out there like it's not cage up to 11 like i and i kind of like that like it plays up certain points of that but um it really does feel weirdly you know believable in a way at times for like how he's acting the plot not so much but like i think that's when it you know the movie just kind of becomes a paint by numbers you know like i said someone needs to help the cia find the drug lord kind of guy thing but just dropping nick cage into that scenario and him playing himself um makes it a lot of fun and then you know there are these groups of fandom like for nick cage whether you 
uh, on different sections of the internet. There's many film critics in Toronto that fall in that category. And I think he has, has this cult following almost. Um, Even though he's a movie star as well, which is I know, but I mean, those people that are like really like, uh, like love Nick Cage, right? Like, no, it does no, I feel totally like agree with weird, you. But like, he does um, have this weird cult following. But he is also a movie a giant star. movie star. Like, it's, no, it's, he's a, it's he's a weird, someone who it's a weird place for him to be. Yes. but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it, it is. It's perfect for him, right? Like, he's someone where you could go up to anyone, a, a grandma, and go, "Do you know who Nick Cage is?" And they're gonna kind I watch of guarding tests all the time yeah, on TBS. Ex- exactly. And like, but he does have this cult following. And I feel like this is the perfect kind of thing for that of having a super fan invite him to his birthday to pay him a million dollars because he's rich and and hijinks ensue. And I don't think that there's much more to it. I know some people are getting a little bit more. And I think the movie has a strong emotional core with his daughter and his family and that like um that I think works. I just don't think it gets anything like it's, I don't think it gets to any territory like you were mentioning earlier. Like, I just think it's perfectly enjoyable from start to finish. And I think he, again, like you just said in his, the shitty VOD movies, he does, this is much better than that. But Nick, even though it looks like one, it does look like a VOD movie. Yeah. And that's just a lot of these style of, you know, mid range, mid budget kind of action comedies. Like it doesn't look as bad as Moonfall. Oh, I'll talk about that. Well, also shooting uh, in Croatia, right? Because like oh, a yeah. lot of this was shot in Croatia, and like a lot of these VOD movies are usually shot either in Eastern Europe or Latin America or wherever. It's a beautiful country, but the digital cinematography doesn't incentive. do it. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah. it's supposed to not. It's it's supposed to actually be Mallorca, Spain, and and mm-hmm. not Croatia. But Matt, when we were watching the credits, noticed all the names being of eastern european yeah. and also some of the locations you were very familiar with as well well when i was it's the same thing that happened in hitman's wife's bodyguard when we were watching too going oh i recognize that place and then because you know i haven't spent that much time there but like the couple times and he was and i've been there i can just kind of spot it or i go that looks a lot like croatian i know like a lot of Italy can look like that too and and different things, but it was just kind of fun to point that out. But yeah, I don't have like a ton to say other than like, I think if you're a Nick Cage fan, you'll get a lot of enjoyment out of this movie. And I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. And if you're not, I still think it is a pretty enjoyable, like, you know, just buddy action comedy. It's like that. I, you know, I, it's that perfect mid range, mid budget kind of like, yeah, that was pretty good. And then that's the extent of my criticism, really. Right. I think the last act is the weakest aspect of the film, just in terms of it becoming more of an action movie yeah. in, in sort of like art imitating life in a weird yeah. way. And I don't think the way them writing to, the script and it kind of is to pull that it. off. But I do agree with you with like, I like the stuff between him and Pedro Pascal, who, you know, is playing this arms dealer, Javi, um, and their kind of friendship and this genuine, like, you know, meeting your hero type moment is as surreal as you would kind of think meeting Nick Cage would be. Um, I even really like the moments at the beginning of this film where Nick Cage, you know, is having a, a lunch with David Gordon Green. Yeah. We worked with and uh, in, in Joe and talking about a, a role and trying to, like, you know, convince, convince him for the part. Him. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just interesting. let me read for you. Let me read. for you. <laughs> It's just again, it's interesting just seeing like having that moment because in that VOD stage, there are a couple of movies where like 
you know, you go to and say like, okay, these are the exceptions of the rule in, in Nicolas Cage's, you know, more recent trajectory, obviously Peg being the, at the tail end of that, but also with, you know, Joe and Colorado Space and Mandy and, and movies like that. It's like, okay, in, in you know, this prolific span of, of 10 to 15 years, those movies have kind of connected in some way or another and they've harnessed that raw cage energy and both allowed him to kind of be as absurd or as big as he wanted to be or in the case of pig very intimate and small but also kind of gave those filmmakers or the productions a little bit more cachet because you have this big movie star who's not phoning it in obviously you know we heard recently that bruce willis is is you know quitting acting or retiring from acting because of a disorder that, you know, he's, he's having problems with his memory and that is sad, but you watch those movies and you realize that whether or not he was being forced to make those films without truly any consent, he's not engaged by the material whatsoever, where when you watch one of those Nick Cage films, you know, like Arsenal or something like that, um, he's given a hundred percent. He's, sure. he, he's there. He's completely lucid in the scenes that he's in and he loves acting. I think that that's the thing that I also really love again about this movie is that his love for the art form is completely upfront and he always taught has always talked about loving about how acting. much he loves moves and movies right yeah I mean, and yeah. and like i mean obviously there's a joke in here with paddington too and the cabinet of dr caligari Calig- and, yeah <laughs> and and like th- th- those are great but like i just love the sincerity that nick cage the thing that keeps him going or the thing that that he he's still in love with is you know the art of of acting and like there's no other guy you know, out there right now working that is kind of in that zone that is like, you know, willing to do anything and everything and is not above anything. And at the same time, you know, continues just to love it, you you know, decade after decade. And, you know, that is kind of infectious in the same way that like someone like Steven Soderbergh is just one of those guys that always needs to make movies. Like he, he mm-hmm. can't not be working on something. He always mm-hmm. has to work. And Nick Cage has that similar kind of like, I love to I love what I do. I've always loved what I've done. Like, this isn't something I just got into because, you know, like it was a family thing or something like that. And, and he's always kind of had to make that very clear. And, and again, he's made a lot of crap. Um, sure. Uh, you know, but, like wind talkers, captain Crowley's yeah. mandolin. I mean, there's, there's, there's a ton. There's, of, you can make a whole but when uh, he's film great, festival of them. He's amazing. He's like, like, and, and I, I'm sure we could do like even like a top five or six films where it's like, you know, like I think of like, you know, his first like truly amazing performance in the Coen brothers raising Arizona and thinking like yeah. where he went from that. He's going- legitimately great. And yeah. then to your, your, to your point, I think that even strengthens the emotional core of the movie. There's that all that stuff with his family, which is that kind of cliched kind of, oh, my daughter's in danger or my family's now involved in this kind of thing. But it's him wrestling with his career too. And that's that kind of meta stuff that I think works in the movie because they bring that into it of he's struggling to get roles. Like he's he still really loves to act, but the only offer that's coming onto his table is a million dollar deal for a birthday party. And I kind of like him wrestling with, oh, I'm going to retire because I just, I'm not getting the roles that I want anymore. Um, it's just not there. And then him 
finding his love for acting and film again by meeting this guy uh, who paid him to be at his birthday party. And he has to, you know, not save the world, but save his family and save the other guys, uh, you know, ass and, and stuff like that. And well, also there's a, a kidnapping friend. plot yeah. as well within this. Oh, that with it's the about a politician. Daughter. Yeah. yeah. And so like some so of that, that is, that, but... I mean, that is going to the kind of more zany outlandish kind sure. of vibe overall. And I do think the other thing as well, if like you are, a true Nick Cage aficionado, which there are, you know, you mentioned it with like the, the pocket in Toronto, but there are a lot of people that are very much, you know, devotees of, of the, the teachings of Nick Cage. Yeah. If you are aware of his career, both on and off screen, like I think some of the family stuff, even though it's not badly acted or, no. I mean, you mentioned it kind of being cliched, like just, just in terms of how it's written, but it, it, it is kind of one of the things that takes you out of the, meta quality because if you because if of from, like lily sheen and and well, or, well even like again, or, you, like or his actual back, family if, yeah like if you go back and like again like at the at the the oscars when he won for um leaving las vegas he was still married at that point to patricia uh arquette and mm -hmm. he thanks her and like like if you know that kind of stuff it it kind of breaks the fourth wall yeah, yeah. a little bit Fair. and like Again, like remember, this wise, is a fictional version. No, of I know, him, I know, right? I know. Yeah. But but it's it's almost like Space Jam, uh, a new legacy as well, where it's like, okay, we we want to have, you know, a fictionalized or heightened version of a uh, you know a, a known superstar or or, sure. or celebrity of some kind, and then we're also going to put in kind of like that faux family dynamic, and I think that mm -hmm. that's the one thing that does doesn't really work here just because it kind of feels like I it don't is disagree. Yeah. breaking the illusion of what they're creating. Like they can reference the family, maybe have one of his daughters. Cause like, again, like if you look on like his biography, one of his kids is like 31, 32. Um, he's mm -hmm. having another kid right now with uh, mm -hmm. a, a woman who's like 27, 27. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's been married multiple times and like, like again, five times. Yeah. yeah. And so, like some of that, that illusion, like I understand, like maybe you don't want to go that personal and he wants to keep yeah. some of that separate, but I feel like. I think he's okay poking fun at himself and playing a fictionalized version of himself and then kind of taking those cliches of what you're, you know, a typical actor family is and kind of maybe taking certain elements from those different marriages and maybe from his two children and, and things like that and putting them in this but I, I i agree with you that if you know enough about him that is the one thing and especially how they get involved in the plot in the last act and stuff like because it, it is more They're, of a plot device than anything totally else, right that's like what to i keep mean him kind of you know in this compound and working you know alongside the cia and also trying to figure out if Javi is Sure. you know this horrible person and like with that like it just kind of feels like that is the most kind they're of there written for aspect or the raw totally. aspect of it all and that's why i think the career stuff which you brought up is more interesting to me of him going to the super fans house seeing all the stuff he has and using the golden guns yeah um, well even the like, wax figure like, of the face yeah, the off wax nick is cage funny. it's funny yeah. because like there's the there's that one wax pillow in, in in uh in Niagara Falls that has oh, like yeah. the John Travolta Madame version Tussauds, of that. Yeah. yeah. And it's just yeah. like, it's horrifying. Um, the one thing I weirdly did like, which is that more kind of, um, you know, could have gone either way is Nikki cage, the version of the younger version of himself that he sees throughout the movie and talks to. So throughout the movie, Nick cage 
sees a you know a version of himself from probably that era you're talking about well that's that's that was that's when he was doing the press tour for wild at heart there's a there's an interview with him on a british talk show where he literally comes out on the stage and does like a cartwheel and it looked like he was on cocaine i remember yeah and i'm sure he was but like in the movie that version of him like speaks to him in his mind and i kind of dug all that like the de-aging and like just the going that's when he does go full cage because it's nikki cage inside his mind well nikki kim coppola is what what he's credited as is that character oh is it okay amazing um so i i actually did like those moments and they are out there and there's like it's i think it added kind of an i don't know it, it definitely didn't need to be there and it felt kind of off with the rest of the movie but it's used sparingly enough but when it does i actually kind of thought it was weird enough and uh, that I just kind of vibed with Nick Cage talking to a younger, wilder version of himself. Um, I had fun with that too. Yeah, it's just interesting to see like where he was, where he, like at that point in his life, and now where he is, and you know, being nearly sixty, and like again, the eccentricity is still there, the wildness of Cage is there, and the the willingness to kind of be completely you know um willing to go to the farthest reaches possible for a role are all there but it is fascinating to see again this is this is an actor who has had such a fascinating career with the with the highs and lows and um again it kind of feels like he's been like a part of every aspect of the industry in some way or another like he's seen it all and like he's still going and he's still weirdly reinventing himself like i feel like we're coming to the next stage of cage and i think with pig and this like yeah and with renfield coming up like i feel like okay like you know he's paid his debts he's done a lot of these kind of more humbling smaller movies and you know still kind of perfected and played with the art of acting as as he sees it and kind of you know kept you know a hand in there but now He's kind of coming out of it and we're seeing, you know, like him with this, you know, universal movie that he's going to be playing Dracula. And he's already talked about like having like, you know, Malignant be an inspiration and Gabriel, uh, that character, the way he moves, which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's (laughs) awesome. Like, and, and like, and, and Nick Cage, like talking about how like he's a true goth and all this kind of stuff is like, it's, it's, it's fun. So I think we're in this new stage of Nick cage of a, a, a reevaluation or appreci- of cage. Yes. Yeah. A, an appreciation of, of him again, where like he'll find his way into, you know, there are rumors of him gon- going to be in, in Francis Ford Coppola's megapolis, whether or not that happens. I mean, it'll still be interesting to see like what indie filmmaker or other filmmaker wants to use him again, because in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years or so, we haven't seen a lot of him kind of working with bigger name filmmakers. I think the the last kind of big name director he worked with over like the last maybe eight years was, was Oliver Stone and Snowden, or I mean, David Gordon Green as well and Joe, but Joe's a very small, small movie. little movie yeah. and it's a great film and it's a very good performance from him. Um, but yeah, I just feel like we're on to this next stage and this is kind of like the marking of the beginning of that. So yeah, I love that. Um, I had a lot of fun with the movie. Um, I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 5. Like I, I, Again, I don't think it ever crosses that line to be truly great, but I think whether you're a Cage fan or you just kind of like action comedies, I think you'll have a relatively good time. 
so 3.5 for me yeah i mean i'm just gonna give it a three out of five but i still enjoyed it for what it was it's just like it's one of those movies where like the more time i've 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 gone off of it it's it's just that it's kind of disappeared a little bit but totally the appreciation I, I of that. nick cage is still very I think much that's there i think we sit for me i think that's why like we've spent this whole conversation we're talking <laughs> about his career and the fascination of who nick cage was and is and what he's doing and, and i think he's one of the most fascinating actors working like again like the guy you know went from art house movie to blockbuster star and jerry brockheimer productions to vod trash and is now kind of at a place where he's in a new sort of art house sort of legacy that's coming up and like a part of that is owed to him good for him man he can do whatever he wants really so God bless Nicolas Cage. Uh, thank you all for listening or watching. We really, really do appreciate it. Uh, we have other reviews like Sonic the Hedgehog and other things. We, we've been off for a little while, but we have a new draft, which you guys can check out, the 121st draft. We have reviews for Sonic the Hedgehog, like I mentioned, uh, Apollo 10 and a half, a space age childhood, the bubble, Morbius, um, a lot more. So go check those out. And also a review of Robert Eggers, The Northman. So go check that out as well. Um, I We haven't done this in so long that I almost forget my intro. Uh, you can one-stop shop for everything over on uh, <laughs> Letterboxd over at Untitled underscore Movies. If you just want the one place where you can get everything, that's probably your easiest spot. Um, and as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at UntitledMoviePodcast.com. And you can follow me on all the social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Nick Cage gives good smooches. <laughs> That's high praise. <laughs>